In today's society, entrepreneurial ventures have been considered increasingly popular. The dedicated visionaries who indulge in these ventures are members of an elite squad worthy of talking that icon-ish. These are their stories. Hello, hello, and welcome world. This is Icon-ish, the home of free game in free form for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. I am your host, Drea Will, and I got something super dope lined up for you today. I am super excited about this one, y'all. We have a major force in Atlanta's entertainment industry on the line. He is part owner of Atlanta's only indoor-outdoor bring-your-own-bottle event that's always lit with food trucks, vendors, live performances, all of that. It has definitely become a staple here in the A and has been frequented by celebrities, local entertainers, and even politicians on their campaign run. Man, please give the warmest welcome to my next guest, Terry Skywalker of Bonfire ATL. Yes, sir. We got a chance to find out some of the challenges faced from the city of Atlanta, classism and gatekeepers in our own community, the origin of Bonfire ATL, and what's next. Man, I have to say there are so many gems in this one and definitely some questions that need answers. Pay attention, ladies and gentlemen. Free game, free game, free game. Let's go. Hello. You said y'all employ over a hundred. We have thirty employees and mixed with vendors that come and vend. The vendors make up about seventy people. Gotcha. So maybe you know maybe twenty twenty five vendors. Each of them have two three people with them. Gotcha. So when we show up, we show up a hundred deep. Yeah. Like I give you a prime example when we had the food court park over off of Howell Mill. Mm-hmm. You know she made a whole lot of promises to us. She said that you know. We could have this event. She she worked for the mayor. She worked directly for the mayor. She might be the mayor's assistant. She like right next to the mayor. So she's like, yeah, I got a relationship with the police. And you don't have to worry about the noise ordinance. I can keep the noise until one o'clock and blah, blah, blah. And even with parking, you know, I got a relationship with Publix. So he's like, okay. And I guess she thought she was just going to make a bunch of money off of us. We was just some guys that was going to show up and throw this weird party. Right. But then we show up 100 deep. We don't got to talk to nobody. Everybody know they role. They know their job. Only people got to speak to us really is the vendors to find out where they're going. Besides, after we tell them that, they go and do their thing. Right. Now, she's overwhelmed because she feel like we took over her park. Huh. We didn't take over her park. We told her what it was. Yeah. She, she, she thought she knew. She just saw the money. You know? Same thing happened when we was at the paintball place. You know, over on um, Milton Street. Uh-huh. We get to the paintball place, we throw a couple parties, and they making money, and people, they, we advertising the paintball, everything great. Then Memorial Day comes. We block up traffic for a half a mile. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? And now he's overwhelmed. Now he's like, <laughs> I don't know. And then they, they get greedy. Now they want to oh, charge more money. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, wild. they want to get more embedded. Like, even over at um, Murphy Park Fairground, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't like to talk about people, but I just keep it real. Anybody who knows me, he's a whole dirtbag. Yeah. You know, you know, I don't know. The dude who owned Apache Cafe, he's a Caucasian man, oh. and he prides himself in being a dirtbag. You know, he says, somebody's got to be me. He's a dirtbag, dirtbag. So, mm-hmm. you know, he started trying to integrate himself into our whole system. He wanted a percentage of what we got going on. When we worked that out, then he wanted to, he needed to park in now. He wanted us to run through his POS system so he could see how much money we making, you know, and it just became overwhelming right. after a while. 
that's why we had to leave that situation mixed with he's telling us he has all these special permits, but the police keep showing up telling him he don't. He don't, right. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. so that's really the biggest issue when it comes to dealing with people out here in the Atlanta scene. Right. The old people are greedy. It ain't even the young people. Young people trying to get on, but the old people who actually own the property, mm-hmm. and the crazy mm-hmm. shit is majority of them is black. Mm, really? Yeah, majority of them is that's the black run, black owned city. So you sitting there like, you know, killing Mike and T.I. talking about this is Wakanda. This ain't no damn Wakanda. They own the city, but they don't try to share the wealth. Yeah. You got old ass DJs on the radio 60 years old and all of that, won't put the young dude on. It's time for the young dude to get this radio show. For sure, for sure. You feel what I'm saying? That's for what sure, we do sure. it for, to, to pass it to the to next generation. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, let me the ask craziest, you this. Go ahead. Go ahead. The craziest story we had was when we tried to do the Super Bowl party. I don't know if you remember that, but it got canceled. Okay. Um, And we was right across the street from the Super Bowl. So basically, the church that they had to move in order to put the stadium there. They got a lot of leeway. They made a lot of deals in order for that soup, for that stadium to get the, um their property. Mm-hmm. So they, they basically own Morris Brown, like the stadium. They gave them the stadium. They gave them a whole bunch of other land right. around by the stadium. And so they, we, we approached them probably in December and we throw a bonfire there. We go rent a big tent and all of that stuff. And, Literally, we make this deal with this lady, and an hour before the event, she says, I want a thousand more dollars, or you're not gonna have this event. I already spent two thousand on the tent, right? So, we, we had to fork up another thousand dollars last minute. Now, this is the church, yeah. Wow, you know, what, what, what was really weird to me is that you know, when we doing our event, it's the nighttime, when we go pick up all the stuff, you know, it's the um, daytime. So the nighttime is cool. The church closed. You know, we just using the parking lot. We got right. the tent out there. When I go pick the stuff up, they tailgating out there because it's right across you from the stadium. Uh-huh. The crazy thing is the church is only a fence away. So they're having church while they're tailgating. So people smoking weed, <laughs> drinking, chicks shaking their booty. Oh, it's what? tailgate. But they literally having church. And the only thing separating it is a regular fence. Yeah, with the holes in it and everything. Like yeah, with the holes in it. Like, like you could reach it, you could you could pass the blunt through the gate if you wanted to. You feel oh, what I'm love, saying? And yeah. so so they come to us and they say, Hey, we wanna work you know, we ain't messing with them no more, but they come with the sweet deal. We got the only property that's not by the NFL that can have an event during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So we wanna do our event in the daytime. And we want y'all to come do bonfire at night. Why don't you get us an axe and do this and do that? So we set up this whole elaborate event. The tickets is higher. You know, bonfire only ten, twenty dollars, right. five dollars before a certain time. Right. We charging thirty dollars, fifty dollars, Super Bowl. So we got real acts. We got Yero Gotti. We got Q when he was when he was out of jail. We got all these dope artists about to go on this stage. Uh-huh. So eleven o'clock is about to come. We are set up for our event. We doing what we doing. Police come like, nah, y'all can't do this. So we like, why? We on private property, it's the Super Bowl, whatever. They done went and got the wrong permit. They permit is only until 11 o'clock. Oh, you know? Wow. So, well, let me tell you, black, we talking about black old people and we talking about the celebrities in the city. 
This is how everything went. There is a way we could do it. Police don't really care. You know what I mean? They they just going by what the permit say and the permit holder. Right. So they called the permit holder. She's at the Super Bowl. She hears what's going on, has a relationship with this church, but goes, nah, I'm good. Get them off my property. Wow. Who was this lady? Ludacris mother. Wow. From the Ludacris Foundation. She's the person who held the permit. So that's the reason why we didn't have the Super Bowl party. And that shows you black politics in Atlanta when so, it comes to and that, wow. And that's the main thing. We out there protesting because of systematic oppression when it comes to black versus white. But we don't really talk about systematic oppression when it comes to classes within your own race and culture. Right. You know, they got different classes. You got the upper black class of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The people, the, the, the TIs, the killer yeah. mics, the ludicrouses, right. those who have the money, a couple business people. Then you got, you know, we kind of in the middle. You know, we got a popping event, right. but we still coming from the other side. We trying to, you know, get on over to, the, to that side so we can make some real money. Right. They stop you. I'll give you a prime example. I was with DJ Drama one time. You know, I went to college with Drama. I used to um, hire him for my parties in college. Oh, all right. What school so, was that? Clark Atlanta University. Okay, word. Shout out so, to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, DJ Drama one time, I go to this seminar at Morehouse. Mm-hmm. It's Drama, Cannon, and a couple of other um, producers and stuff like that. And they talking to Spellman and Morehouse kids. Now, I go in there as somebody who didn't even know this was going on. I think I was up there to deliver something. When I seen it, I was like, oh, let me go see what they talking about. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how it worked, man. And I realized just that day. They're, they feel like it's only but so many spaces in certain industries. Mm-hmm. So they will deliberately block you from that industry yeah. because they don't want you to get where they at yeah. or take their space. Yeah. So it's only like a few yeah. black people per industry. Yeah. It's just even in the industry itself is you got to think music, you know, there's only a few artists that's really popping. Yeah, and they've been out forever. To, yeah, compared yeah. to the amount of artists yeah. there are. Active. Yeah, Drake's been out, what, 10 plus years? Yeah, Feel what I'm saying? Like, P.I., yeah, Jay-Z, these people been around for a minute. And they put people on, mm-hmm. but they don't always let people get to where they're at. Right. They, they, will, they will stop your flow if they think, you know, they beefing about who got the billion and who don't got the billion and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what DJ Drama said. This kid asked about copywriting his beats before he sent them out. And he straight told the kid, just worry about getting in the game, kid. You ain't got to worry about copywriting no beats. You know, just make sure. Now, the crazy shit is, a copyright take, what, $30? Before he send that beat out, you can easily just tell him, send off for that copyright. 90% of the time, you're going to get it once you send it off. So as long as you send it off before you send that beat out, then when the paperwork come back, you cover it because it's going to have the date that you sent it. You know what I mean? Right. That's as simple as you could tell them. Before you send this beat out, or you can send out a block of beats. You know what I mean? You can send out a block of beats because they're not published yet. You can copyright them all oh, under a, a block, block of work. Yeah, for sure. You feel what I'm saying? For sure. So why wouldn't you tell that kid that? And then this girl got up. Spellman girl, we had a college. And she go, yo, every time I go to the studio, guys keep trying to have sex with me. And I want to just produce. What do you recommend? I swear to God, he looked at her and said, Sometimes you got to use what you got to get what you want. Verbatim. I'm not making this up. I'm not, I'm not verbatim. He said that shit to her. 
And I looked and I just got up and walked out. And I was mad. I was in the hallway cursing and stuff. And they was like, why are you in there cursing? I was like, because it's wrong what they're telling these kids. And they up here probably getting a check for being here, but they ain't even disseminating the proper information. Right. Because they don't want these kids in the game. Wow. What the fuck? Yeah. That, and, that, and that's what, yeah, that's what people don't understand. So what make Bonfire ATL different is, especially when I, in, in my involvement, I try to help people. Yeah, You know, sure. when I went to go get that space that we had at 400 and I went to have the first meeting, these kids hit me up, just like you hit me up on Instagram. Just like you sent me the emails. Yeah, hit me up on Instagram. They said, hey, we trying to throw a sneaker event. Yeah. And, you know, we wanted to know if you could, you know, help us out and help us find a space and all that. I hit them up and gave them the space where I was at. I was like, hey, I'm about to pull up here. From what I hear is a good space. You might want to talk to her too. You know? Word. The same day, they locked in their event. Word. They never did no event before, but they were some real good kids. I could tell that they just came from good families. They wasn't about no bullshit. Like, they Word. were just some good kids trying to do some shit. Word. So, I said, you know what? We we worked out a thing where I could get, but I think I got like 20% of the entire event. Mm -hmm. But not only did we provide production, because our equipment was already there, we staffed the event for them because we already had staff on call. We did marketing for them, gave them ideas on what to do, and yeah. called the vendors for them. It was basically a bonfire with sneakers. With sneakers. But we only got 20%. And we gave them the rest of that because they was responsible for actually putting things together. Right, we right. were just sending them the pieces to the puzzle. puzzle right. You feel like, what I'm saying? And like, their event was super dope. Like, they, they did their thing. They made their money. Everybody was satisfied. Everybody was happy. And I was more happy than them yeah. because I want to see new people get in the game and be able to support their family doing what they love. For sure. Especially my people. Yeah. So I want to take a step back for a minute. We do all know that Bonfire name, but as far as the birth of Bonfire, number one, where did that concept come from and well, how I, did that come together? i tell you this much. I probably came to Bonfire. The Bonfire existed before me. Mm -hmm. I came to Bonfire the first time probably in 2014, maybe the beginning of 2014. Okay. I was still on the block with my homegirl, and we was at a day party. And when the day party was about to end, she was like, yo, I'm going to bonfire. And I'm like, what's that? And she was like, yo, just pull up. Look it up. Mm -hmm. So I looked up the address she gave me. I wound up on a whole nother side of town. Every time. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and I was so thirsty that I found it, and I got to the space. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, it was unbelievable. You know, it was packed. When I say packed, it was, like, weird. It was like, as you walked in, the people was older. The closer you got to the fire, the people were younger. Mm -hmm. And it was packed to, to the whole capacity, like the outside was. So, and I, and I loved it. And I got cool with the people doing it. And they told me the story. They said basically they were doing a kickback because they just wanted to do something different. And it was just really some homeboys pulling up with cars, playing their music, and people kicking back. Mm -hmm. And every week it grew, it grew, it grew until it actually turned into a business and they had to organize it and collect money and do all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, where I came into play is, if people don't know, the original space was 140 Milton Place by Turner Field. Okay. It overlooked the city. Really nice place. 
when that got shut down, I think the city told the space owners the property wasn't allocated for that purpose. They didn't go get no special permits. It was supposed to be some buildings being built over there. Right. So they shut it down because of the nature of the event. And the people who was running it at the time, they didn't really have, you know, the passion to just keep going, 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 looking for spaces until they found the space. Mm-hmm. They just, it just did it for a year. You know what I mean? And other stuff started kicking off. Like King Fresh, he had Level Up with Sky High. And they was, it was basically a showcase. Like Take Off, you know about Take Off ATL. Yeah, yeah. Level Up, yeah, Level Up is basically Take Off ATL. It's the okay, same exact okay, game. Okay. So other events started popping, but nothing was bonfires. And then one day, the person who had the bonfire brand, he found another space. So when he found the space, we all went over there and helped him set it off. You know, I was the first cook bonfire I ever had for that particular space, the one that everybody knows for 880 Woodrow Street. Yeah. You know, I was the first cook they had. I was just cooking chicken, doing my thing. Yeah. And I had a photo booth company. I was just starting. Dope. So, yeah, as I'm cooking this chicken or whatever, real vendors started showing up, like Brothers to Go and all of that. And they had, like, elaborate setups. And then mine's they couldn't compare anymore. Mm. So now I'm really just a patron coming through and I would come every other week. And this was probably around 2015, maybe mm-hmm. 2015. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm just coming every week. And, um, I started talking to them about using my photo booth for bonfire. B.O.B. came to bonfire. If people don't remember, T.I. came one week and B.O.B. threw his album release party there. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, I think I was using my photo booth there because I had a contract with Josephine Lounge and we ended that contract. And when I ended that contract, I came to Bonfire and I started doing that. I started doing it at Bonfire for the low. Like I was doing the damn near for half of what I was doing for Josephine because I like being there anyway. I can make some money being somewhere where I actually want to be at. Because Josephine Lounge got poor ventilation (laughs) and they smoking weed, hookah, cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, so by the time you leave out of there, I had every time I left there, I had to get a Vicks vapor rub and use my daughter inhaler and shit. So bonfire outside, you could smoke, whatever, whatever. So um, B.O.B. came. Now, King Fresh was working with the person who was running it at the time. Uh-huh. Now, mind you, the person who was running it, it was supposed to be a collective. It was supposed to be like a team. But he somehow wiggled it into he was like the sole owner and he became like a dictator. So he fired King Fresh, even though King Fresh was literally his partner, getting one third of the business. But because he had the relationship with the space owner, he could just be like, yo, I don't want him over here no more. The space owner going to be like, all right. So no matter if he owned the brand with him or not, if it ain't on paper, he alienated from his own brand. Wow. Yeah, he's alienated from his own brand. So he left. That's when I came in. All right, let's pay some bills. Now check this out. I know firsthand that starting a small business is tough. Just finding the time to work on it can be a struggle between full and part-time jobs, spending time with the family, taking care of home. It can all start to feel like you have nowhere to zone out and really lock in on growing your business. Well, Room to Work may be just what you need. It's the only place in Atlanta where you can work, meet, store your inventory, and record your podcast under one roof. There are no high membership fees, and you get to customize the plan and price that you want. Yes, you can afford a workspace that you love. On top of that, you can use my code ICONISH to get free time in their top quality podcast studio 
co-working space, meeting room, warehouse, whatever. Visit them online right now, room2work.com. Schedule your tour today. Don't forget my code ICON-ish and tell them I sent you. I came in because, you know, I've been doing showcases in Atlanta for quite some time, and I know people that people can't get to because, you know, my sister-in-law do music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she really do music. She sold a lot of records or whatever. Oh. So I said, why don't you let me book the artist? At the time, I didn't feel like Bonfire was really utilizing their space properly. They was only booking rappers mostly, right. you know? And I'm like, yo, we can have some live bands up here. We can have some, you know, singers. We can have all of that. So every week, we started booking a live band, a solo singer, mm-hmm. and a rapper. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that. And I was, like, having it booked weeks in advance. Like, you you might not get on Bonfire for two months mm-hmm. because it was already booked up. And eventually, it became tyranny in the space. Like, dude kept started firing people. He was real misogynistic. He was, like, screaming on women in the business because he didn't want to take their opinions or whatever. And people started leaving one by one. Uh-huh. And me and him had a discrepancy, which I was just going to leave. But then the owner of the actual space, the dirt bag I told you about, he was like, look, I'm tired of the way this dude talked to me. I'm about to cancel the whole event. And at the time, we didn't have no options. There wasn't no other stations to go to or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So now I got to think about you know, I had became the promotions manager at that time. So I'm right next to the big dude. Mm-hmm. And now I got to think about 30 people not having this employment that they didn't have for the last three, four years. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Right. And like, I always tell the story. I'll be like, if you got a boat and it's 18 people on a boat and they say, if you don't throw this one person off, everybody about to drown, that one person probably going to be floating. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So basically we came together as a collective and said, instead of one person running this big brand, we're going to put four people in charge of this big brand. That's and it hard. was me, King Fresh, my boy Michi, uh, and him. That's hard. You know, he was still, instead of getting 33%, he was going to get 25%. But he had to be silent for a second because of his relationship with the owner. His ego wouldn't let him take that. And he tried to do some bullshit and throw a whole nother event. And that kind of canceled the contract that we made with him for the 25%. And when we went on and got two, yeah, we went on and got two more people instead. And we became a five people running this brand. Okay. You know, it's me, Michi, who runs Media Mafia. My boy Flex, he runs Pop ATL. They also do the Atlanta Indie Mart. My boy King Fresh, he do Takeoff ATL. He got Crown Me LLC clothing. Myself and I have another company called Pay It For Two Four Seven, which is geared towards throwing charity events like right. coat drives and toy drives and all of that. And then you have my boy Mo, rest in peace. He just died about a month ago. Damn, you so know, yeah. um, yeah, he had heart complications and he passed away. But Mo was logistic. He was the person who made sure the staff was called, mm-hmm. the books was kept, and all of that stuff. And we move like that. There's no boss. There's five bosses. Mm-hmm. Things will vote instead of tyranny. And that's how the brand succeeded. Because you got we are not people who would have otherwise hung with each other. Mm. I'm 40 years old. The rest of them is around 33 years old. Mm. Um, Mo was straight from Iran. You feel what I'm saying? He had his own little thing going on. Michi and Flex, they best friends. And they in a whole different world. Fresh is in a whole different world. His brother is Dredd's the beatnik. I don't know if you know who Dredd is. 
with the hat and he be hosting the events or whatever. But I've probably seen him, but and so when we vote, you got five different personalities. Right. So it's not like it's a tainted vote where right, people right, got, right, you know, right. loyalties and thought about and yeah. And that's yeah. how you different sustain a brand. Yeah, I have a doctorate in international business, right? Mm-hmm. And in class they teach us to avoid group hit. You know, um, basically if you have a bunch of people that's diverse in a room, you should come up with the best product for everybody. Because it's so much different input that when it's put into the world, that product should satisfy everybody from them different demographics. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? So yeah. that's why this brand has been going on and got so strong because you got five people who care. If I can't be at a meeting, let's just go to the meeting. We can have five different meetings at the same time. Mm-hmm. He can be at one, I could be at one, you know. And when, everybody when on the same big page. Mm-hmm. Everybody's educated. And, he, and I'm not talking about just with books, you know. Everybody's uh, experts in their particular fields through experience. Right. You know, I don't think Fresh went to college, but can't nobody throw a showcase like King Fresh? Can't nobody curate an event? He's the, I'm talking about when I say he's the best master of ceremonies I've ever seen, right. I gave him a, a discombobulated event that had no order. And I gave him a whole bunch of acts, and it had to go on at this time and go off at this time and be entertaining. He was the host and run the show. He ran that show so well that we had 10 minutes left so I could close out the event. Literally, that's how much. Once he did the organizing and the time and everybody performed, it was only 10 minutes left where I could say, thanks for coming out. Love y'all. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so even though he don't have that college degree, he has expertise in his, his actual field. And how was and that actually things, getting him back on board? You know, after him and the the other guy fell out, you know, what what was that conversation like? Now, nah, you know what it is? I never sever relationships. Even on the other side, when I left, my whole job was to make sure that he don't pass up. So when he left the, right. the joint, I took his position. <laughs> my job was to be his competition. But I would still go through his events and show love. Yeah. I would still go in there and be like, what's up? And I'd give him recommendations on his face. Like, y'all think y'all should do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And I'd just try to keep a good relationship. Even though we were doing business against each other, it don't mean I hate you, black man. Yeah, for you sure. You feel what I'm saying? For sure. So when it came time that I wanted to go ahead and make a move to try to take the event and, and put it in a better position, I went to him and said, look, suppose I could get you back on. Suppose you you have a chance to come back to, and be what you was. And he was like, I don't believe you can make it happen, but of course I would want to come back. Like, that's my baby. I, I helped, you know, curate that whole event. Yeah. And, you know, when I came to him and said, yo, paperwork done, all I got to do is add you to the paperwork. He was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, straight up. And we did what we did from right then. You know, because, you know, back in them times, Bonfire was really associated with a lot of negative shit, mm. heavy drug usage and things of that nature. You know, you had stars like Michael Pena used to come to Bonfire from Ant-Man. You know, he was the best friend of Ant-Man. Mm. He used to be up in there. He said, yo, my Hollywood friends want to come. But they said, this is where a lot of their friends get their drugs and stuff. And our job was to change that stigma. Right. You know, bring it to the mainstream without diluting the brand. Right. And that's what we did. We, we we basically worked to bring it to the mainstream, to remove that element of 
it's a drug usage. No, this is for the culture. Right. You know, we we stopping guys from walking around selling cocaine and stuff like that. We see you, we putting you out. Right. Straight up. We don't know what people bring with them and what they do it in the corner, but we're not going to enable it. Right, right, right. That's one of the things that I was going to ask is with that stigma that comes with bonfire, having that on one end and then also having your charity work and your master's and your international degrees and all that stuff, like, have you found it difficult trying to, to manage the two? Nah, see, it, it, they wasn't never supposed to coexist. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Like, but it's not about managing the two. People going to come to any party and sneak stuff in and do their little stuff in the corner. But if they in the party actually selling it, if they in the and you or they see you and they feel so comfortable that they ain't got to hide, that's the problem, you know. And that's what we work on. We work on stopping the distribution of stuff. We work on stopping people from trying to do stuff all in the open. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what you got all the way in the crevice of your bag. I'm checking for weapons and stuff like that. Right. If you off in a corner somewhere in this parking lot and you doing some dirt, I can't stop that. You know, you are, you, that's what you want. Right. But I can stop it if I see you doing a hand-to-hand transaction. If mm-hmm. I do see it in your bag and you didn't take the time to hide it or whatever, I can't tell you to go put it back in the car. I'm not your parents. So I'm not going to kick you out. But I'm going to tell you, yo, go put that back in your car. Right. Right. You know? And now that stigma kind of left. We have all types of people in there. We had, we had Vincent Ford campaign to be the governor. Stacey Abrams campaign to be, you know, the governor. We done had all of these people come to Bonfire and using the platform for what it's meant to be used for, to connect with the culture. Right, right. What is the charity event that you mentioned? How is that your, you know, contribution to connecting with the culture? We do a whole bunch of things to try to connect with the culture. I'm known for doing charity work. I had a little brother for the Big Brother Big Sister program from nine to he graduated from high school and I still be rocking with him. Um, and I did a lot of other charity work, you know, interns, you know, it's a lot of producers out there. That was my interns when they was in high school and stuff like that. Like they produce it for future and stuff like that. So my whole thing is to always connect with the community because you got to show the people who are spending money with you that you actually care about what they going, what, what they got going on. And right. if you know about like real corporations, all corporations have initiatives that they do to connect with the community. So we do a coat drive called Jacket for Jacket in November, mm-hmm. and it's a concert, an indie concert, and we charge people to get in and we collect coats. And this year we gave we we gave 250 coats Jeez. to the homeless. Wow! You know, um, so we we do another one called Trapping for Toys, same concept, indie concert, and it's at Union EAV, which we are um, managing owners of. Okay. And um. And with Trapper for Toys, we um, do the same thing, and but we give the toys to the Atlanta Children's Shelter. And we gave about six bags of toys this year. Nice. You know, like garbage, industrial-sized garbage bags of toys. Yeah. So, and that, and that's just from the heart. We are like, you know, the, rec- the only recognition we get from that is a good picture on Instagram. Mm. Like, why not? If people want to come and you could get people to donate and then you got a hub and you use your fan base for a positive in a positive light why not why not yeah and so how are you guys moving forward you mentioned taking the temperatures and doing everything but what is bonfire from here out especially this first one but to keep it real with you what people don't understand is we be securing spaces that's so big that 
we ain't gonna have no issues. Y'all say fifty thousand square feet. You can operate at thirty percent capacity. <laughs> like so that's basically the same amount of people that always been there. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it comes to being safe, all we really doing is just following the guidelines. People don't know the guidelines. People don't take the time to read and shit. You feel what I'm saying? So what we doing is we got masks and we're gonna tell everybody that we require a mask and okay. you can get one at the door for like three dollars. Right. So we got masks at the door. You, if you got your own on, you don't have to buy our mask. We ain't greedy. But, you know, and we got um, sanitation stations that's going to be around and uh, all the vendors. So you can, at any time, go get some hand sanitizer from any one of the vendors. When it comes to space, because we operate in that, that capacity, we ain't really got to worry too much about the six feet and all of that. Right. It's all about the amount of space right. that you actually have. Right. And and we're going to have extras on the floor to tell people where six feet apart is. The majority of it is outdoor. Gotcha. So Yeah, that's what the whole bonfire is about, the outdoor element. So that right there already has set us aside. But the people up in limbo, not really knowing who is to come with this coronavirus, we had to actually wait. But we could have been open, like, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. I definitely appreciate you taking the time out for us today. Yeah, shout out to you. Shout out to Bonfire, all that. And tell them where, where they can find you at. Let them know what's your Instagram, website, tickets, all that stuff. All right. Well, my personal Instagram is at Terry Skywalker. That's Terry with a Y. My Bonfire Instagram is at Bonfire ATL. And um, for tickets, you know, um, women's tickets are $5. Men's are 10 pre-sale. You go to BonfireATL.com. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, yeah, just check us out that way. Anything, hashtag Bonfire ATL, almost anything. A lot of people use the hashtag in vain, but it's all good. But, um, yeah, that, that's basically it. All right, Terry, I appreciate you, man. Well, I thank you very much, man. You have a good one. For sure, you do the same thing. Thank you. All right, bless up. These are their stories. <laughs> <laughs>